and this was one of the best years of my life. I don't know, because it's a music podcast, so I didn't, I didn't go that far. Wait, 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 wait. Well, I figured, you know, if it goes well, then that's because of me. If it goes bad, that's because of you guys. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> <laughs> you can bend behind the nut. You were just thinking of Babs Bunny. <laughs> this is a hot bunny, man. Bunnies could be hot. Club banger. Flam jam. Dude, you can't judge someone's personal life and their music, otherwise you wouldn't like Kanye. And Kanye's awesome. His music is awesome. He sucks. And now, see, I was going to the ball game, my buddy Tom, we couldn't play Zigzag Wiggle Wham by the new Ball J Boys. So close. Hey, and welcome to your latest weekly installment of Bass and Trouble. I'm your announcer, Doug. Let's introduce your hosts, Neil and Steve. Take it away, boys. Thanks, Doug. All right, well, welcome to the Bass and Trouble podcast. My name is Neil. And I'm sure you know by now, I'm Steve. We're well aware. Today's podcast, we have a very special guest with us. We have Doug, who you might recognize from last season. He was on our Pink Floyd episode. Um, Welcome back again. Oh, hi. (laughs) Maybe you just know him because he knows a lot of people. Hi, everyone. Oh, hi, Doug. Hello, Doug. Welcome. Hi. Check out our last few episodes. Just this week, we posted two episodes. Thank you, Steve. The AAS and Radiohead. And now we're here to talk about that rock band, Weezer. Oh, yeah. Little in this episode, as always, we'll have your sucky song of the day, which comes from the best band of all time. There's a little, uh, little paradox in there. How can the best band ever come up with such a sucky song? Because they were getting better all the time, Steve. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Is that a little hint? <laughs> right. All right, so if uh, you haven't already subscribed, then I'll give you a little minute to do that right now because it's about time. Yeah, pause right now and hit the subscribe button and come back and hit play. Yes, come back. (laughs) But I'll give you a little hint that our content is getting better all the time. So this is the best podcast we've done to date. We haven't done it yet, but I'm sure it will be. Because Doug's on it, that's why. (laughs) And uh, don't forget to add us on Spotify. And finally... Apple Podcasts. We had a bit Thanks, of a... Thanks, Ruby. Thanks, Ruby, for all your help. A <laughs> little bit of a technical issue getting on Apple Podcasts. They were not playing by our rules, so we fixed that up. They flexed. They flexed on you. Damn them and their free service. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then once in a while, you can even check out Facebook. Uh, we're on there as Base and Trouble, and we'll do some social media posts. It's because most of our audiences of the age group where other social media wouldn't make as much sense. So anyways, <laughs> this week, we, uh, as Doug so kindly stated, we're doing Weezer. Uh, so Doug, why don't you run through the uh, list of band members and what they do? Yeah, Weezer, quite a central band from that time. Um, I mean, a name that we all know, right? Rivers- what did you say? Did you say quintessential? Quint- quint- quintessential. Quintessential, okay. I may, I I may like have said it. quintessential. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Five times is essential. <laughs> Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> Everyone knows this guy's the name. The man. Yeah. I don't know too many people named Rivers. I know River Phoenix, but I, I don't know a Rivers. Was this better? Because multiple rivers. You would need multiple, <laughs> multiple <laughs> River Phoenix to make Rivers Cuomo. Hmm, interesting. I think Cuomo actually means double. He does a lot. <laughs> Rock fights. Yeah, that's right. And he does a lot for the band. He's the lead vocalist, he's the lead guitarist, and he plays the keyboard. Do you think he's any related to the mayor of New York State? No, I think Cuomo is an extremely Italian name that a lot of people have. All right, good point. (laughs) (laughs) But I did also hear that Rivers Cuomo's uh, coronavirus response was spot on, just like the mayor. So there is something. The Cuomo's got it going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Next name on the list, uh, Patrick Wilson on the drums. Another Wilson brother. Is he part of the Beach Boys? I don't know, but we'll, we'll find out how he got kidnapped by Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> that Curry. did happen. And then we've got the two guys with alliterative names. That's right. You got Brian Bell, who plays guitar also and does backing vocals and keyboards. And Scott Schreiner, which I'm sure is a member of the, his local Shriners. <laughs> he plays the bass. Slapping the bass, man. They've got a lot of vocalists in this band. I count one, two, three vocalists. The only one that didn't get to be a vocalist is the drummer. Have you heard their harmonies? 
Yeah, I always picture it as Rivers recording himself, but that's pretty cool that they've got so many singers. And another L.A. band, Steve. It's been the West Coast podcast. Everybody's from L.A. That's what we do these days. Yeah, and in the 90s, that seems to be an ongoing theme as well. Yeah, well, these guys were definitely getting stuffed in lockers. They were not the cool dudes, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) You picture them in Rage Against the Machine hanging out? I don't know. It's a little little bit... they're, They're too cool for school. Yeah, I think they kind of generated this entire nerd rock genre so oh so wait they're not too cool for school they're all about staying in school so before right, we move on right? uh, just a sense? reminder that oh, no. uh, you can check us out on spotify we'll put a few playlists up there uh go and check it out where we put on some of weezer's greatest cuts sweet and so this band came from a plethora of bands that didn't do well and i, I think part of it is that river's first band was this high school punk band called avant-garde <laughs> what kind of music do you think they made do you think it was avant-garde i don't know i picture that one video from the 2000s where the guy's playing like the trombone there's someone in the background yelling like yes! like i don't think it was very good <laughs> it sounds like it's just rivers singing by himself on loops um, that, that would be a high school punk band it, it would only make sense and then doug what, what was the next band's name Next band, uh, everyone knows about their, I mean, part band, part uh, video chat sharing system, Zoom. And after that, they started to, for some reason, enjoy law enforcement and call themselves Fuzz, where they picked up some band members. You got Patrick uh, at the time, the drummer. Same Patrick, right? Same, that's, that's the drummer today. Yeah, he's been there from the start. And then Scotty Chapman. How do you go, so how do you turn your Scott into Scotty? Man, this band, you know, it's like we were talking earlier about Mikey. I don't know who calls himself <laughs> Mikey. But anyways, Scott Chapman was on bass. And then, um, yeah, then Steve, tell us about their last failed band. Well, yeah, Fuzz didn't work out so well. So Scott Chapman, the bass player, quit after a few shows. Then they got back together as a band called 60 Wrong Sausages, which <laughs> is wrong on so many levels. There's many wrong sausages there, yeah. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pat Finn was the guy who played on bass. Jason Cropper was the guy on guitar. But just like Avant-Garde and Zoom and Fuzz, 60 Wrong Sausages was doomed for failure. Too many wrong sausages. They should have had one good right sausage. <laughs> <laughs> but then... That right sausages came out. Then 1992, February 14th, they formed Weezer. <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> that right sausage came out. Way to take it home. Not only that, on Valentine's Day, that right sausage made an appearance in 1992. It's the day of love, Neil. Yes, this is true. So yeah, their first show was on March 19th, 1992, closing for Keanu Reeves' band Dogstar. Closing? They were a closing band. Like, if that was their first show, you would expect them to be an opener, like an opening band? Right. People are there to see Keanu Reeves. What's a closer? I don't know. Listen, the, the, the way bands usually work is you've got an opener and then you've got a main act. I've never heard of this bringing in a band that isn't Keanu Reeves' band. Maybe Keanu Reeves knew that Dogstar wasn't as good of musicians as Weezer was. So they're like, hey, come and see Keanu Reeves and stick around for real music. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is a giving guy. He's a giving man. I feel like he would have done that. Also, yeah. as somebody who's in a band, this is not a good thing Like for me to picture. I remember this really obscure kind of uh, blues bar that's in for- downtown Fort Lauderdale. And uh, we showed up once, and we had all these people that were going to come out and show. And they were like, there's four bands, four original bands. We're like, all right, you guys go on first. And we fought tooth, and they are like, no, we're not. No, f*** you. You can take this hardcore metal band and put them first or second. <laughs> Nobody's coming to see them. Like, they barely know how to play music. And... Um, the sad thing is, as you get older, you realize none of us knew. We were all just faking it 100%. You gotta believe in yourself, I think. That's what you did there, you know? You stood up, you flexed, uh, and then you, you may have fallen flat on your face, but at least you believed in yourself. Listen, if I'm gonna bring 50 more dollars to the bar, you can put me on third, okay? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's only I'm getting fair. paid nothing to play in the first place. Let's just, let's be respectful. So the band name came from a nickname that Rivers' father gave him. Um... A Weezer. So what does that mean? He's like wheezy. Did the kid have asthma? This guy sounds really abusive. 
I think this was just a nickname at the time because it also runs in my family. Nobody runs in your family, Steve. My uncle called my mom <laughs> the Wheeze. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, my mom's nickname was the Wheeze. Huh. Basically, her entire life. Uh, so Weezer isn't too far from that. Your mom sounds like a rapper that, that raps with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> the Wheeze. <laughs> the Wheeze. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking something to do with, like, Cheese Whiz. You know how they call it The Wiz? Uh, yeah, that's right. Is that even cheese? What's in that stuff? The Wizer. Tell us more about what happened, Steve, after that. So they, they play for Keanu Reeves. Um, they pick a band name because... Rivers Cuomo was the best person in the band. He's like, hey, my dad used to call me this. All right, cool. Weezer. Sounds great. Right. And then they got to deal with Geffen Records, another theme that seems to be happening lately. Uh, Geffen in the 90s really knew how to pick them out. Can't wait till we do 70s bands and everybody's like, Atlantic Records, Atlantic <laughs> Records, Atlantic Records. Right. <laughs> so they recorded a demo of Say It Ain't So, and that's what got them the attention of Geffen Records. And uh, they signed a deal with them pretty much on the spot. And then... What's cool is that Geffen Records came out with DGC Rarities, David Geffen Company, in 94. And Weezer had a spot on that with a song called Jamie, which was one of their early songs, but didn't make it on an, on an actual album. But what's cool is that this record in 94 had a bunch of cool 90s alternative artists before they were famous. It had Nirvana, it had Hole, it had Beck, it had Sonic Youth. And even Counting Crows was on there with the song called Einstein on the Beach, which is one of my favorite Counting Crows tracks that they never seem to play anymore. Yeah, they don't, they're against that song. It's one of my favorites, too. I always want to hear it live, you know, because we've been to a few Counting Crows songs, uh, shows. But also, it's not on any Counting Crows album. It's only found on this DGC Rarities. Could you force them to? Like, as fans, could you pass along a note in a concert when we're having concerts again and be like, Einstein on the... See, that's the problem. You can't yell for that. Einstein on the beach. They're gonna, From on stage, they're going to be like, what are these people saying? Rastan Momadi. You can't, you know... No, but Weezer, Weezer succumbed to some social media pressure, uh, as you'll see when, they, when we hit the Teal album. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. So maybe if we just start a Twitter campaign for Counting Crows to play Einstein on the beach, they'll listen up. Yeah, for sure. And what's up with Dave and Geffen flexing with all these great acts back then? I think I said in one of our podcasts recently that he had so many good guesses. I can't believe he had one album with all those bands on there, just like a feature compilation. Mm -hmm. It's pretty sick. Yeah, 90s were some pretty cool time for alternative music. So Weezer had 13 studio albums. They had six color-coded albums. Um, I think some of these, if you're colorblind, I apologize for our podcast <laughs> listeners who, who have RGB visual impairment. <laughs> but you could picture it blue green red white teal and black album you know i was just thinking for my newborn this band is very newborn you know uh appropriate very newborn helping because they're learning colors right now you know and music can deliver hey quick question to the 90s babies or the people who grew up in the 90s you're not 90s babies jesus boy you, you couldn't have babies when you were 90s well yeah you could in the 90s you could have had babies they would have been really horribly cared for but they would have been there <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyways, for people that grew up in the 90s, question for you. Do either of you still have CDs somewhere? CDs nuts? No. No? Gone? No Disappeared? hard media. What I did right towards the end of the regular CD lifespan, I bought a hard drive, ripped everything to CD, sold my CDs at a used CD shop for like five bucks each, and that paid for the hard drive in my very first MP3 player. So I digitized everything. This is Steve's lawyer. He never did that. This is totally a joke, just for the podcast. <laughs> I digitized everything before digitizing was even cool. And then, Steve, at some point, they all got tagged as audio slave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had a few hard drive corruptions over the years, but it all worked out. It's fantastic, man. Um, yeah, but... Seriously, six color-coded albums. They had two compilation albums, which we'll talk about, one Steve mentioned. A video album, uh, six extended plays or EPs, which was like, let's just milk this cow for all it's worth, put a few of these good songs and sell them. And then they've uh, got 37 singles, which is really impressive. I think, you know, when we eventually do that Hall & Oates episode, they may have 37 singles. But I can't think of another rock band with that many singles. What makes a song so important that's a single? Uh, nothing really. It's just like, hey, we give this to the radio and they'll play it and we'll get money off of it. It really uh -huh. has no bearing other than to promote themselves and, and get their stuff out there. But good on them. I mean, 
doesn't Weezer mm. seem like the perfect band for uh God, what's his name? What's the really famous dude now who used to who got big on MTV? Now he produces every Ryan Seacrest. Doesn't Weezer sound like the kind of band that Ryan Seacrest would shower to? Like Island in the Sun. <laughs> this I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. And then they have 40 music videos, Steve. 40, 4-0. Even more videos than singles. But as we start going through their stuff, I will talk heavily about their music videos because so many of them are memorable. Yeah, so Doug, kick us off. All right, with their first album, uh, came out strong, you guys. Uh, Weezer, the Blue Album, in 1994. Self-titled. Yeah, I mean, amazing hits that everyone, everyone knows, right? Uh, Buddy Holly... Obviously, Undone, the sweater song. I think that's one of my ones I remember back in middle school. I think I was talking to Doug about this before we did the podcast, at the, or maybe it was you, Steve, one of you, that the first three songs of this album kind of sucked. Like, as I was listening my to the discography, I didn't, I didn't like that song. I feel like it's lame. It comes on strong. I feel like I, I didn't like the song at all. I thought it was very generic. Like, it was like generic rock, and then Buddy Holly kind of everything from there on I like. I like Holiday, Only in Dreams. I think it closed out strong. I wasn't a big fan of the first few songs. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like the way I, he went up and down the guitar on that one. But what other songs are on here? So you got Undone, the sweater song. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I like how that opens up. It's uh, got like a few people talking. Say it ain't so. Yeah. So they've got, you know, what is it? They're like at a party or something in that song, Undone. Wait, so why would... <sighs> I wonder why they had to put undone the sweater song. Because if you pull the string, you'll undo the sweater. Oh, makes sense. What? Cool. So yeah. And then Doug, so your favorite song on this album. Yeah. Un- undone sweater song. Has that weird drum intro. Boom. It's not like normal. Not a normal way to start a song. Um, I mean, unless you're the cure, you know, every cure song starts with the drum intro. Mm, yeah, they Look do, don't up. they? It's a true thing. <laughs> and then this album ends with Only in Dreams, which is a long song. It comes in almost eight minutes. You don't even realize that you're listening to it because it kind of bounces around from from area to area. But turns out it's a great way to end out a track. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a big fan of this one. talk about the next album so two years later in 1996 they came out with pinkerton which started out as a flop this for many years people uh, did not give this album any love at all but over time it seems to have kind of come to life and turned into a cult classic and uh now it wouldn't be weezer without him doug you're kind of nodding your head do you agree with that or do you do you think that it still sucks yeah neil <laughs> i think i do agree with the hate <laughs> <laughs> not a huge fan of the Pinkerton album um, you know it's a couple good tracks I, I think everyone knows El Scorcho yeah yeah, that's really the only song I could think of from this album But I mean it takes a darker turn there's a lot of stuff on here that you know I think they go through that sophomore phase where they're just sick of being rock stars like one of the songs is Tired of Sex um, one is called Why sick Bother sick of being rock stars I love that phenomena yeah one is called Why Bother? I mean, if you can't think of a more ennui song than that, then I don't know where you're looking. Sounds like Meg White's favorite song at the end of there. <laughs> <laughs> Even El Scorcho is about, you know, a failed romance. So many of the songs on here are just downers, but maybe that's why I like it. Well, I, you know, he went celibate for a while. Uh, Rivers did. He mm. went celibate for, for, for a bit during his... Uh, these early years so maybe that had a lot to do with it maybe he was so trying to not be celibate that all of his songs sounded super sad because he was that makes sense i don't know about celibacy guys what what's the wait what are we doing on celibacy thumbs up thumbs down for the listeners to view yeah i'm gonna go it's your own personal thing it's not me it's not for me (laughs) all right way to be diplomatic doug But yeah, I think Pink Triangle is my favorite um, song on this one. But even then again, that's about a failure in love. Yeah, really kind of not, not, not my favorite one. For sure. I do bad anything to get the head out of life. 
pulled it back together just uh, actually they took a five-year break in 2001 is when they came out with the green album also self-titled each one of their color albums are technically called weezer yeah that's a that's a fun fact but i mean i i don't know i think it's all fun and games until they came out with an album that's white i don't know what they're trying to do there but (laughs) the rest of them i agree with (laughs) nobody does that to the beatles yeah question so that came out in 2001 is that still the 90s no for them it was (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) because that took me a second yeah (laughs) yeah for them it definitely was It, it was definitely them holding on but i mean I, I was, uh, you know, when you ask Alexa, Alexa, play some Weezer. The first song it plays is Island in the Sun. And I saw the plays and it's like the most played song. I, I was surprised, guys, because I think that's a catchy tune, but also it could be used to sell like, you know, soap or like, you know, garage doors or something. <laughs> and so, but it is, it is a, a good song. I was surprised at how much I, uh, how poppy it is compared to the songs. But they always have, even in Buddy Holly, it's a, it's a poppy kind of like chord progression, but. It gets that weird. He does that weird, heavy, screechy guitar noise sound thing really well. I feel like, um, you know, so so real deep music cut here, guys. Facebook is feeding me guitar pedals to buy. Like freaking Reverb.com has my number. <laughs> not, like, not yeah, surprised. dude, buy this, buy this. And so I'm not going to buy them, but I do. Now I'm going on YouTube and listening to what they sound like. And boy, are there some really cool guitar pedals out there. Like, oh, you want to make your guitar sound like a synth? Here you go. You want to make your guitar sound like Rivers Cuomo? Here you go. Ah. There's just all these really crazy guitar sounds. And um, these guys, I think that was a big part of their sound is that as lead guitar singer, which he was for the band, he really pulled out all the stops for me on the green. It's my favorite album of theirs. Hashpipe is up there. Fantastic song. Even if nobody knows what they're talking about, you know, my big cheese or, you know, my ass wipe or whatever he's talking about. I enjoy hash. (laughs) Is it about hash? I don't know. Or or is that just a euphemism for something? I think hash is involved. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. It's definitely a good skating song, Hash Pipe. All their songs are pretty good skating songs, I guess. So this song also has a track called Photograph. Which is not to be confused with the Nickelback song of the same name. Or the Ed Sheeran version of it. <laughs> or the Def Leppard song of the same name. Or that Cheryl Crow Kid Rock one. <laughs> How many songs <laughs> named Photograph can we come up with here? There's a lot. It's really bad. I don't know why. Um, there are so many songs named Photograph, but um, yeah. Look at this graph! <laughs> <laughs> that may be the first meme Steve ever sent me, by the way. <laughs> It it's, was a million a years ago. You're like, check this out. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Of course, this first meme would be a music meme. Absolutely. Well, I really do think this uh, this album stands the test of time. And, you know, green's one of my favorite colors. So. Agreed. So many good things are green. Like Kermit. <laughs> and money. So the next album um, took a turn for the worse again. <laughs> Maladroit. I, I don't know anything good to say about this album. Um, this album was a little bit harder. Like yeah. this is a little bit more of a grungier feel, a little bit more of a harder rock feel. And it doesn't seem like people picked up on it so well. Yeah, I definitely did not. But uh, I guess it's pretty cool though, because it's where... Brian Wilson, wait, not Brian Wilson. It's where <laughs> Patrick Wilson. <laughs> Boy, I did that twice. I am bad. Um, Patrick Wilson, that's right. His his nephew um, was kidnapped. Steve, why don't you go through that? Go through his kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite subject. Right. So for the video for Keep Fishing, <laughs> my favorite subject. What the hell? On the video for Keep Fishing, it plays out almost like a Muppet Show episode, where. Kermit introduces the band, the band kind of plays with all the Muppets, and at some point, Miss Piggy falls in love with Patrick Wilson, the drummer, kidnaps him, holds him for ransom, the band almost doesn't get to play, and in the end, it all works out okay. But not just the video, they came out with like a behind-the-scenes video for it, too. (laughs) Behind-the-scenes? These things have hands up their asses. What are we talking about (laughs) No, in the the behind-the-scenes video... (laughs) 
the Muppets act like the Muppets behind the scenes. You still don't see the puppeteers. Like, it's <laughs> Kermit talking about what happens oh, behind I the scenes that. of the music video. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. Was Dr. Teeth there? Oh, Dr. Teeth and... and all of the, the electric what's the name mayhem? of his band? Electric Mayhem, yeah. Animal and the Drums. Dr. Teeth, my favorite Muppet, for sure. When did Kermit fall out of favor with the general public? I feel like of all the beloved kid characters, nobody's like, oh yeah, Kermit. All he's good for now is that one meme where they throw him off the roof of that building. There's also the one where he's <laughs> sipping tea. Yes, that's right, but now... There's also the evil Kermit. That's big. Right, okay. I like where he's throwing his arms up like yeah, this. Like, right? that's crazy. Yeah. The burning... Oh, the... Wait, no. Isn't that Burning Elmo? Oh, all right. I'm confusing my Sesame Street <laughs> memes. Yeah. <laughs> burning Elmo? Yeah. Elmo on fire. Anyways. I don't think I go to the meme sites you go to. <laughs> Steve finally got it. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> Taking it way back. Way back to 2001. Yeah, but long story short, 2002 is not their best year. But in 2005, they came out with Make Believe, which has a really great song, Beverly Hills. Opens up the album. Great yeah. track. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, a funny story about Beverly Hills. Like uh, One time I went to see them at Hard Rock, I think, uh, with my best friend Jeff. What's up, Junkie Jeff? And uh, MTV was recording it, right? And they actually had to record Beverly Hills twice because MTV had messed up the first recording. Oh, no kidding. Kind of like this podcast. So, yeah, I see some similarities. It's <laughs> fantastic. We are like MTV, so yeah, it's the same level of professionalism. <laughs> That's same right. Same quality. Yeah. yeah, what other tracks on this album uh, come to mind for you, Doug? Uh, obviously, Perfect Situation. Right, right. One of my favorite Weezer tracks. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to, the, to talking about videos for this one. Where, um, so in this video... There's a band called Weez, and it's all the members of Weezer with the lead singer of what Alicia Cuthbert. Alicia Cuthbert. Right. Only she, you know, all the stardom gets to her head. The girl from Aerosmith? I think so. No, that's that's Alicia Silverstone. Close. Met- oh, right. <laughs> yeah, close. Well, see, if your girl's name is Alicia, you can introduce her to your family. If her name is Alicia, you're just going to say it wrong. Oh, meet my girlfriend, Alicia. Oh, hi, Alicia. No, Grandma. No, all the time forever. Alicia. It's okay. My daughter's name is Roxana, so prepared my whole life. I've got Cuban family members that are like, hi, Roxanne. You're like, it's not her name. Jesus. Right, get it right. Roxana. I made it Spanish, so it'd be easy for you. Roxana rocks, dude. I like that. Steve, so why don't you go into uh, the background of this perfect situation video <laughs> that I've interrupted now three times? <laughs> <laughs> so Alicia Cuthbert is the lead singer of a band called Wheeze. And the, all the stardom gets to her head. She starts drinking. Rivers Cuomo is a roadie who always is the one to kind of pick up the pieces and he's there for her. So nice. they're set to go on stage, do a show. Nobody can find her because she's hiding out, drinking booze somewhere. And Rivers ends up being the front man for the show and kind of saves the day. And everybody loves it so much that he turns into the permanent lead singer for the band Weezer. So they had all these shirts, all this, you know, gear that was set up for them that said Wheeze on it. So they just write it, in, write it in with a marker. They add R to the end of their name. And that's how they became Weezer. They used to be called Wheeze. Things fell apart. Rivers steps in. Now they're Weezer. That's what that bitch gets for friend zoning them. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like, <laughs> oh, I'm a hot mess. Why don't you come and take care of me? And then, you know, she messed up one too many times and Rivers steps in and saves the day. Yeah, and then what is what is this about? Um, isn't there an album or a song on here where it's a little longer? Oh, that's um, also Perfect Situation. Okay. Where he's got a part at the end where I think he kind of gets a little flourishy with his notes. Mm-hmm. And he actually wrote it two different ways. There's the version that made it onto the album. But when he started playing it live, he realized that people in the crowd were singing along, but they were singing the other version without even knowing it. So when it came to the radio edit, they're like, you know what? Let's go with the version that, that people are singing along to. Yeah. That's sick, man. That's super sick. What's funny is that he wrote it both ways. 
and the crowd just picked up on the alternate version to begin with. So like, you know what? Let's let's make that the radio edit. That's awesome. Yeah, and then their next album um, is also a, a a donation body for cancer in Africa, I believe. The Red Album. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2008 now, and uh, yeah, this this album had some some cool songs. It, it had the whole the whole pork and beans suite of <laughs> of of fun. <laughs> Can I talk about the video again? Because it seems like that's all I'm doing these days. The video for Pork and Beans was a mashup of all of the coolest memes on the internet in 2008. Uh, remember that guy Tayson Day? He had that song Chocolate Rain. Yeah. Rain. Wasn't he uh, featured on a South Park episode with that? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think he but was. Yeah, the way that he like steps away from the mic and like it's all part of this video. And they touch on at least eight different memes from back in the day, like All Your Bass Belong to Us. Remember that one? Uh, Will It Blend was one of my favorite memes back in the day. <laughs> Will It Blend? <laughs> Don't breathe this. They had that super powerful blender. They did the Soldier Boy dance. They had the Sneezing Panda. They had the Dancing Baby. They had the Afro Ninja. They had Charlie the Unicorn. Basically anything that was cool on the internet in 2008. They just rounded up all these YouTube video stars and put them into a video together. It looked like a really good time. They kind of were able to do that on 2008 because we've come such a long way in our memes. Like, guys, <laughs> some of these memes are really lame. Dancing Baby, Charlie the Unicorn. I mean, it's cute to think about, but you could probably go right now on any social media and find five other memes that are so much better. The internet is a, was a very different place back then. <laughs> Kids are being born today to develop them, though. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to four-year university and coming out with meme degrees. <laughs> 2008, man. Different time. So this Red Album also had the song The Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Now, it's kind of a long song. It comes in almost six minutes. But what's cool, it's almost like a suite. There, there are so many different songs contained in this one song that it takes you on a, journey, a musical journey, if you will. And um, that's one of my favorite songs on this album, for sure. <laughs> Sick. I think for, for me, we mentioned for a lot of people also, this is when I started to kind of stop listening to, to Weezer, not, not as much, you know, they're still rocking and everything. So I played them actually a little bit leading up to this, uh, this podcast, listen to that song, Troublemaker, and I got to respect, and that song, they rhymed biatch with kiads, like kids. <laughs> <laughs> Only Rivers can do something like that, yeah. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, Doug, why don't you take us into the next album? All right. So uh, very next year, 2009, the album came out, Ratitude. <laughs> That's funny. Like Ratatouille. Ratitude. I think the only hit on this one, if you can call it that, is the opening track. If you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. Yeah, sure. I mean, at this point, why not print some money, go on tour? It's a fun little song. Yeah, it's okay. I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of Ratitude. What do they want you to? Make a move. Make a move. Oh, yeah. Um, it kind of nice. flips the script a little bit. Rivers is all like, hey, if you're wondering if I want you to, then yeah, do it. Jump in. Wait, everyone wants that. <laughs> I just want to sit here. I'm attracted to you, but I want you to come at me. Well, Rivers was smart enough to write a song about it. <laughs> That's what he did different than we did, guys. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's got it figured out. I'm Your Daddy's a great song. Now, that was <laughs> written by Dr. Luke. Isn't that the same Dr. Luke that Kesha had the, all that beef with? I don't know who the hell made that guy a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I think himself. I think his name is just Luke. Yeah, I think his name is just Luke. I think he lost the doctor. Much like P did, he lost the puff. First, he lost the puff, became P. Then he just lost the P, and now he's just Diddy. Pretty Diddy. soon, his name's just going to be Did. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I do think that's the same Dr. Luke, which that's, you know, that, that's that's tough. But, you know, it's like any talk show host who ever had a Me Too movement victim on their show. Um, and I call them victims in the way that they call themselves victims, not that they are victims because they're typically very abhorrent. But, you know, is Louis C.K. still funny? Sure. 
do you want to have that episode played all the time where you make funny jokes with him? Nah, not so much. So Did so- Dr. Luke make some great music? Yes. But is he a good person? Uh, I, w- I would say the verdict is no on that. Didn't you take it to the house? Isn't that a Dr. Luke song? I think it is. I think that's Master P. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's, that's crazy. We're overdue for a rap album. But anyways, we'll move past Ratitude. We'll move into Hurley, which came out in 2010. And I never really understood the backstory here, but Hurley was named after a character from Lost. Oh, great show. And the album cover is just a super close zoom in on his face. <laughs> so I don't know why they love Lost so much and what's, what was so special about the Hurley character, but he was a superstar on this album. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the cover of the album and prepping for this, I thought it was Israel Kama Aka Aka Ole, the Somewhere Over the Rainbow <laughs> guy. That's what I thought it was. Close. Oh, I can uh, yeah. see where you... Maybe a little more facial hair, but overall, yeah, same kind just, of look. Just another Samoan, just another random Samoan that they found to put on there. It's nah. Great. In actuality, it's the dude from Lost. What do you guys think about re- renaming Girl Scout Cookies Samoas to... Hawaiian Delights. It's called, what does it say on there? Is it a Hawaiian Delight? It's a Samoa, Steve. Oh, good. Still offensive. I actually have a box of Samoas right by my side. It's really random that you mentioned that. And on the box, it does say Samoas. You can pay extra for the offensive one. Yeah. <laughs> every, every, every dollar extra goes to the Anti-Defamation League. That's not a bad idea. So the next album is called Everything Will Be Alright in the End. It came out in 2014. At this point, I think they're just cranking out albums every few years. I'm looking through the track list here. I can't really find anything that stands out at me as being awesome. Well, I see they named one album or one uh, song after your cat, Steve, Cleopatra. Uh, sorry, but my cat's name is Cleopatra. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. All right, well, moving on. Uh, they then had the dreaded White Album. All right, guys. Now, tell us why you, why you dread this so much. What is it about the White Album that you're not a big fan of? I don't know. It's just, like, kind of sacrilegious. <laughs> like, you know that it was intentional, and you know that Rivers Cuomo loves the Beatles because he writes really good songs and good structures. But... I don't know. I feel like it's it's definitely a balls move. I, I'm not calling them out. I'm saying I wouldn't have the guts to do it because the only white album I can think of ever is the the white album. I mean, at this point, this is their fourth self-titled titled Weezer album that's named after a color. And it's not even that it's named the white album. It's that you just have four guys on the cover of the album with a white background. Really simple. The, it's, it is a white album. Is it is it named a color, Steve? Or is it named the absence of color oh it's named weezer yeah so this it just happens to have all the guys with a white background so how about this let's not call it the white album and let's just call this one weezer <laughs> if that makes you feel better we could do that it definitely does now i don't i don't hold that against them as much thanks steve you, right. you always bring out bring out the best of me in these podcasts uh, i'll find a way to make it right <laughs> doug's just here for the the free the free booze because he's like yeah no, no, I was just thinking about your comment before. You said this is the only white album you've you've heard that you liked. What's what, about the, what about the Beatles album? God, I'm sorry, my voice. I just turned into Tara Reid there for a second, guys. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> um, That's wonderful. No, uh, I don't recall a lot of these songs. Actually, no, I do. Uh, uh, which one is it? Oh, um, Thank God for Girls. That song is really, really cool. Um, right. Yeah, that song is really, really cool. Uh, I actually really enjoy that one, especially the lyrics, because it's like kind of describing all the shit that girls go through. <laughs> and then he's like, thank God for girls. It's hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. I'm wondering if it was around the time that maybe he was, you know, having like a really good time relationship wise, because you've come a long way since Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Apparently the celibacy ended.
So they continued in the 2000s with an album called Pacific Daydream. Yeah, I remember Mexican Fender, but I couldn't tell you exactly what it sounds like. Um, but, you know, you know, at the end of the day, the name of this album was Pacific Daydream, and we will delay no more in talking about the Teal album. Right, so they've finally gotten to the point where, you know, the last, what is this, three, four, five albums, we've kind of flown through because there's not a whole lot to talk about. But then the Teal album happened. They dropped it hard, man. They This album got all kinds of recognition, and rightfully so, because, Steve, weren't you mentioning something about public pressure or internet pressure to do something like this? Right, so the reason, the way this whole album started was there was a big push on Twitter for them to cover the song Africa by Toto. Somebody suggested it. There was a big swell of people who were um, kind of suggesting the same thing. So Weezer was kind of playing around with the idea, and one day out of nowhere at a concert, they played Rosanna, which is also a song by Toto, but it's not Africa. So it was almost like a hint, like, we hear you, we'll play a Toto song, but we're not going to give you what you want. Doug, tell us uh, what you think about, about Weezer's cover of Africa. Oh, this is one of my favorite songs, but obviously, you know, it's my go-to karaoke song. I wailed the song. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. Um, have you Doug ever- at karaoke on this song is a sight to behold. I mean, if you want to see Doug <laughs> at his best, you just get him in front of a karaoke machine and you put Africa on. So have you heard the Weezer version of it? What do you think about how they covered it? I mean, you know, it's as someone who's amazing this Af- the song Africa, um, you know, they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Give it a listen. It'll, it'll give you that old time feel. It's, it's a good uh, song. I like it. My favorite um part of this album is the entire thing um everybody who wants to rule the world they cover everything i gotta put it they make it their own a little bit because definitely the drummer he can't tone it down so he's very rocky but um as far as yeah everybody wants to rule the world that's great um the only song that sticks out to me in this album that i don't know why they covered was paranoid by black sabbath doesn't is a little weird but, oh, and you think TLC really fits in with the rest of these rock tracks? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that song was on here. But their <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky cover was really cool, man. They sound really uh, really good on that Mr. Blue Sky cover. But that, again, Mr. Blue Sky is one of my all-time favorite songs. That's the only song from this album that I've never heard before. Right? I didn't recognize that track. I love it. I love the way they, they do it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then they have Billie Jean, Stand By Me. I mean, it's really cool that they did a whole album full of covers and apparently made bank because it was really popular. I remember that last year. Not just that. Every single one of these tracks is true to the original. They're cover songs, but you would expect like a famous band like Weezer to put their own spin on it. But all of the music, all of the effects, all of the sound is exactly like the original, which I kind of respect. Like they just took something that was great and kept it the way it is and didn't try to change it. And I kind of respect them for that. Yeah, I actually take it back. They didn't make any money on this album. They probably had to give it all back. (laughs) (laughs) They Uh, picked some pretty popular tracks here. Um, Except the one I don't like on here is Billie Jean. Billie Jean, it seems like they tried to put too much of a rock flavor on it instead Mm. of the pop sound that it is. And everything else, like I said, is true to the original. I think that Billie Jean from Michael Jackson... They, they changed up just a little too much, made it a little too hard. They went a little alien ant farm on it, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Billie Jean has been done so many times by so many people. Like, I think... Has it, you know, we talk about We talk about better covers here. Billie Jean's best version, I think, was Chris Cornell. He slows it oh, down, yeah. makes it real soulful. Like, that's the best cover of it. So I don't think anyone could beat that. The rest of these covers I love. Dude. Good Chris Cornell. The only part about that song I don't like is the is the end of it where he's like, don't think twice. I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, but he had to do it. It's it's in his DNA, like Chris Cornell, and a lot of Soundgarden songs have weird endings too. But you're right, that was a really good cover of that song. And I every time it comes on, I, I have to be in the mood for it. It's one of those songs. I can't listen to it if I'm not ready to like, okay. So the Teal album was actually a surprise release. 
The Teal album came out on the same day as the Black album. Now, the Black, they had been teasing for a little while. They knew that the, a new Weezer album was on the way, so they released Black. And surprise, you get the Teal album with all these cover songs on it. Yeah, and I don't remember a lot of these songs from Black. Uh... Can't Knock the Hustle was the single from it. That one got a little bit of airplay on it. Uh, aside from that, I'm not too sure what was popular on here. I'll be coming for your love, okay. So then, Steve, uh, why don't you go over their, um, you know, end off their current project that they're working on, Van Weezer. Is that like Van Halen or is it? Yeah, I got it, it. it's a complete takeoff on Van Halen. Even like their, the Weezer logo from day one was a takeoff on the Van Halen logo. You know, the oh, VH yeah. with the wings on it. Yeah, they made the W with the wings on it, just like Van Halen did. So this is definitely an homage to Van Halen. But also, it's a return to their power rock roots. The last few albums, Pacific Daydream and the Black Album, are a little bit more poppy, yeah. a little bit more electronic, a little bit more dancey. They said, no, let's give the people what we want, let's return to our roots. And Van Weezer is not out yet, but it's set to be a return to their, you know, punk rock and, and hard rock and... Um, you know their origins. I, I was gonna say, I give that single a spin. It's got a, like a video gamey like vibe to it, along with the Van Halen. It's really cool. You're right. It's really retro Weezer. Wh which one is that? The end of the game? End of the game. Yeah. There are apparently COVID, COVID uh, issues with the release of this album, because um, they released a second single on in on May 6th of this year, Hero, right on the streaming services, and yeah, apparently. That coincided with the revelation of a crazy tour. Doug, why don't you go over some of the headliners for this crazy 2020 concert tour? Well, of course, we got our boys Weezer. We're there. But they were, they were kicked off with uh, Green Day. Huge band from that same time, you know. Maybe even huger than, than Weezer. You know, we could talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I don't know if this falls in along with those, those two. Fall Out Boy. So Fall Out Boy isn't really our generation, so to speak. But I think that in the 2000s and the early 20-teens... Fall Out Boy was as popular as Weezer was back in the day. Fall Out Boy is the gateway drug to my chemical romance. So I think... <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a chemical. They should avoid Fall Out Boy <laughs> at all costs. But uh, the question is, Steve, what is this hella mega tour that they announced on... Oh, they announced it, what, back in 2019? Everything's going to be all right. right. And then, nope. They had a lot of big plans for 2020. They were going to release the Van Weezer album. They were going to go on the Hella Mega Tour, and it all kind of is currently on hold. Thanks, COVID. For real. So, Doug, why don't you go through some of the uh, the band's side projects? You actually didn't know this, and this is surprising. B.O.B., right? Yeah. B.O.B.'s debut album, B.O.B. Presents, uh, The Adventures of Bobby Ray. Amazing album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I didn't know that that was that anything to do with uh, Weezer or Rivers. Yeah, he's got the song Magic. And basically, it's talking about having the magic touch. You know, some some people like Rivers Cuomo, and I always think of Timbaland. Like, anything that they set out to do when it comes to music, they've got, they make it into a hit. And that's what the song is all about. He's got the magic in me, and the way he puts his own spin on music, it's bound to be a hit. And it probably was one of the highest rated songs from B.O.B.'s deb debut album. Yeah, so is the lyric, in, he, he's got the magic in me? Right. That's what she said. Uh, I see what you did there. Mm. <laughs> That's funny because sex. And then in December 2007, uh, Cuomo released Alone, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. It's, <laughs> wow. What a very what a very somber and direct <laughs> title. Alone, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. It sounds like a Dateline special. <laughs> it's, it's a compilation of all his demo recordings. Like, Okay, well, cool. I'm glad, like, they probably had sticky keyboard because self-masturbation. But, yeah, it's it's a compilation of all his demos, <laughs> which is pretty sick. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like him, not him doing music, but actually him just, like, you know, muddling around the home, kind of, like, flossing his teeth or, like, rearranging the furniture. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then, Steve, uh, this band had a lot of awards. I know you love going through awards, but uh, let's talk about those those awards they got. Right. So, I mean, considering the amount of albums that they've had and the amount of singles that they've had, they're relatively light on the accolades part. So they were nominated for four Grammys. 
they only won one for the video of Pork and Beans, the one that we were talking about with all the memes. Yeah. That was in 2009. Uh, aside from that, they were nominated for Best Rock Album twice, uh, Best Rock Song in 2006. They, they didn't win any of those. Yeah, but apparently they won a lot of MTV Music Awards because with so many music videos, I would imagine they were really popular with the MTV crowd. Mm-hmm. Really? Only in 1995. It was the Blue Album that got them a bunch. They were nominated five times. They won four. Um, yeah, the MTV Music Video Awards in 95 was a great year for them. And then they were nominated three more times since then. Uh, 2001, 2005 for Best Rock Video again. And then ended up winning their most recent MTV Music Video Award in 2008 for Pork and Beans. They're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, though, are they? They're not eligible yet? I don't think they're old enough yet. What is it? It's been... Oh, it, actually, it's 92. It's been 28 years, so they are eligible. I love how Steve says, Steve says they're not old enough, like they have a bedtime. No, no, they're not old enough yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to jump right into our... Yeah, so crazy rock fact, Buddy Holly, we all know, right? And you, I look just like Buddy Holly. The original lyrics to the chorus were, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, oh, I move just like Fred Astaire. That doesn't even rhyme. Like, Who is Ginger <laughs> Rogers? Um, uh, like a, I guess like a hot actress from back in the day. Uh, I know mm. Fred Astaire is a good looking dude, but... Very weird that that was the original chorus. I'm so glad that someone talked them out of that. <laughs> uh, you think that Buddy Holly and Mary Tyler Moore are more relevant? You think those are better choices than Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire? Yeah, for sure. I think... <laughs> I think people know them more. I think the glasses and the Buddy Holly is what makes the whole song because he always wore thick frame glasses and... He's got that Buddy uh, Holly look. In the music point. video, remember, it was like mm. 1950s style, like a prom type of situation that he's playing Buddy Holly in. It was a direct takeoff on Happy Days. Happy Days was that old TV show from the 70s that took place in the 50s. But they actually used a lot of clips from the Happy Days TV show and put themselves in it and kind of edited it to make it look like they were on the original cast. It was another one of their cool video editing magic tricks. Yeah, for sure. And did you happen to know, Steve, that Cuomo's left leg used to be nearly two inches shorter than his right leg? I wish that wasn't You're true. You're shitting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're getting into the mutilation rock facts. Mutilation rock facts. All right. Well, <laughs> after he became a successful musician, he underwent an invasive procedure to correct the condition. Let, let's repeat that. After he became a successful musician, meaning he had this before... He became a successful musician. Maybe this is why the other bands didn't work because the people didn't accept him the way he was, which was obviously limpy. I'm going to go back to the sweater song video and see if you can notice it. Maybe. I don't know. But apparently his leg was broken by surgeons and then he had to wear a steel brace on his leg and stretch it four times a day. Can't think of that <laughs> anything painful. worse to do with my day than that. Ouch. I'm thinking maybe, I mean, that kind of surgery, you know, it's expensive, man. He had to be a successful musician to even have that happen to him. Right, it's nuts. He hobbled his way into stardom just to recover from that condition. Doug, what did Rivers say about this at the time? Um, you know, he said, I had an operation where they cut my femur in half and put my leg in a steel frame. Each day I would turn some screws in the frame so that it would extend and increase the space in the break of my boat. Oof, that's hardcore. Oh, ouch. Hurts just thinking about it. It took 13 months. After that, he goes on to say, after 13 months, that space filled in and my leg was longer. It's this is like the this is like a, what's it called braces but for your leg. He's <laughs> tweaking the screws. Right. And um, yeah, two months in, I was back out on the road. Yeah, what the hell with Weezer? He was stumbling around with Kane. As soon as the frame was off, he was back out on the soccer field. He says I couldn't run. I was basically hopping, but I was so happy to play. I'd been dreaming about it, dude. I'd be dreaming about not being in pain when I go to pee. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen such a book come back since Forrest Gump. <laughs> Amazing story. Well, yeah. And Steve, what, what about geek rock? What, what, right? These guys are considered nerd rock. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it goes back to the fact that Rivers went to Harvard. He's a super smart dude. But a lot of what he sings about, you know, on his earlier albums, he was talking about playing Dungeons and Dragons in his garage. Like he just seems to be the type of guy who attracts geeks, nerds, dorks, whatever you want to call it. 
which is funny when songs like Beverly Hills come out because it's almost like he's doing a parody on, you know, the beautiful people knowing that he's <laughs> more on the, you know, geeky side. So it's, you know, technically an, a subgenre of alternative rock, but it just, you know, appeals more towards the, the nerdy type. Yeah, Nintendo Core, which is another kind of uh, subgenre. You know how much I hate subgenres. <laughs> <laughs> Doug has a bunch of Nintendo Core playlists. That's right. I'm a <laughs> you fan. Know, and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's got influences of hip-hop's nerd core and contemporary folk's nerd folk. All right. <laughs> now we're just getting into sub-subgenres. Like, nerd rock has nerd folk and hip-hop nerd core. Like, yeah, we can... Let's see how deep this rabbit hole can go. Well, and that concludes our... So let's talk about influences. Doug, take it away. Yeah, so one of the influences... And I think you can hear this when you hear their music... Uh, Beach Boys was credited to be a major influence in his early songwriting. A lot of harmonies in there. Yeah. What, what, what did he listen to? Uh, operas, right? He listened to a lot of operas. And was it right. This was around the time of the Pinkerton album. And you, he even references it a lot on uh, the Butterfly song. He listened to a lot of operas like Ada. Ida? I don't even know how to Ada? pronounce that. Madame Butterfly, Jesus Christ Superstar, Les Mis. And yeah, it all influenced the composition of Pinkerton. You know, growing up, they had the Le Mis kind of uh, kind of revival for me when I was in middle school. Um, I don't know. There was a big. I think there was either a movie production of it, or there was some kind of Le Mis traveling show type of thing. And I remember right. specifically remember this girl in uh, middle school who wore her same Le Mis shirt to class all the time, and she was legit the stinkiest kid I've ever met because it was this. There was always one in every class. I remember who the Les Mis girl was in my class. Right, and I'm like, I get it. You're artsy. That's awesome. Yeah, but other influences include <laughs> bands like The Beatles, Kiss, Nirvana, uh, Giacomo Puccini, Green Day, Jane's Addiction. That's kind of a stretch. Yeah, you know, they get kind of hard. They're sneaking in. But, you know, even good songwriting like from Cat Stevens, The Who, Pixies, um, and Sonic Youth, obviously all the, you know, all that stuff uh, really kind of influenced Rivers Cuomo's writing. And he's, you know, generally considered the, the main songwriter, although the other band members do contribute as well, but nobody even remembers their names. Yeah, you're really all over the place with that. You go from like Beatles mm -hmm. and Cat Stevens, well, Steve, which is like... I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Jeez, just a podcast. <laughs> Not your fault, man. <laughs> I'm saying these references, you know, cover everything from the 60s through the 70s through the 80s. And today, and the 90s. magic, 102.7. <laughs> but you're right, there's a stark contrast between each one. You know, you think about Beatles, you don't think about Beatles and then Kiss, and then Nirvana. Who does that, you know? Oh, apparently, Cuomo created what he called an encyclopedia of pop, where he took a lot of these favorite bands and put them into a three-ring binder to kind of put them side by side and examine them. Like, he really got smart with how he managed his influences what a nerd <laughs> i know I was saying, can, I, can i ask like dude went to harvard he formed a band called avant-garde before that <laughs> now he's creating this encyclopedia of pop like do you think he'd be cool to hang out with other than stardom i mean he it sounds like from his music he would be but i don't know uh he just is an interesting dude i'm picturing this three-ring binder with like divider tabs divided by you know pop music artist and you know color-coded just very interesting that that's a... It depends what you mean by hangout. Like, if you mean, like, go out to a club with Rivers Cuomo, I don't think that would be fun. If you want to, like, stay at home and talk music and geek out about stuff, I think, yeah, I would I have a great time with this guy. Yeah, I, for some reason, I don't think he, he's uh, he's that bad of a dude. Um, but, you know, in 2008, he said his biggest recent inspiration had been Eminem. Praising his creativity, passion, inventiveness, and playfulness. Mm. Um... And I, honestly, guys, newsflash, I really don't like Eminem. Hate to say it. But you have to give him credit. In 2008, Eminem was at the top of his game. What he was throwing out changed the rap scene almost completely. He was creative. He was passionate. He was inventive. He was playful. Like, he took the rap genre and blasted it in a new direction. So even though you might not like Eminem, you kind of have to respect what he did to the game at the time. And I get that because, you know, Eminem had all these really good qualities back in 2008. Wasn't he blowing up back then? That was just the height of his career. 
I just all right. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Eminem either. I, I agree with you on your earlier point. Like Eminem, uh, I think it was all hype. I agree with what this says here about creativity. He's, he's passionate. Um, a lot of hype. A lot of people liking this crazy white boy <laughs> talking about crazy exactly. people. Whatever. I'm Dude, I think the last. Well, the thing, the last album that I listened to of his that I. Comes on with Khalifa. Yeah, the last rap album that he did that I liked was like the one with like Rock Bottom, which is probably like the Marshall Mathers, like the really early stuff. But uh, anyways. On to our sucky song of the day. Usually, Steve so carefully curates these sucky songs. But today, Doug has brought us the gift of suck. Yeah, you know, this band we talked about, I think earlier I teased that they were one of the greatest bands of all time. Uh, you know, they're all over the place. They have a lot of different songs that sound a lot different. Um, this is one of the worst. <laughs> well, the band is the Beatles. Let's start with that. We're choosing the Beatles for the sucky song of the day. Now, normally that would be sacrilege, but Doug, I think you're kind of onto something here. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that, um, you know, a band like this can be all over the place. You have to have a sucky song to be this big. <laughs> this is true. Not everything That's could right. be killer. This one was definitely ass filler. <laughs> this was a horrible song. Uh, <laughs> and what, what makes it so terrible? Um, It's not creative. It's almost a, it's a, joke to my ears it's <laughs> garbage it makes my nose wrinkle up in, in disgust i'm just gonna go ahead and say the story so in preparation we were listening to i was listening to this while looking at steve and doug and i tell doug doug can you turn on your tv man whatever you're watching whatever you're watching on youtube just sucks and he's like what are you talking about i'm like oh wow it's this beatles song that i have on the background this thing is awful <laughs> what's going on it's just like a really bad show tune. Like, I don't know what's happening. The British accent comes out on purpose. It's so bizarre. I mean, that's, that's what makes sense, right? I mean, you guys are huge into the music. You know, you have this podcast, you're, you're music superstars. You never heard this song. I'm just going to say it. We haven't said it yet. You know my name yeah. by the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We probably yeah, should have yeah, started right. with that. Everybody <laughs> listening was like, are they about to hit us with something? This is going to be a swipe us across the face. That's my favorite Beatles song. If this is your favorite Beatles song, unsubscribe now because you have no taste in music. This song is awful. Please unsubscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. <laughs> Look up the number. You know my name. Look up the number. Awesome, and that's our show. Any last words, Steve, Doug? Mm. Wow, all right. No. It's, it's, it's been somber. Tax support. All right, we'll come back and join uh, at least two of us next week <laughs> when we promise to move away from the 90s. We're going to, this time... Didn't we say that last week? It's for real. This time it's for real. We are not going to do a 90s band next week. We're going to move into a decade um, that's far, far away. I'll leave it at that. I'll be back for 311. Damn right. All right, well, remember, subscribe, <laughs> share, like us on Facebook. And uh, Doug, why don't you say peace? Peace. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. Um, just a great time. You want to yeah. thank anyone for being on? You want to thank the Academy? <laughs> uh, I'll just thank uh, my lovely fiance and daughter Victoria. What's up, lady? Go, you know, good night. Go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's too late. All right, y'all. Well, later. Peace. Bye. Peace. Bye.